with having uh, Mark back on that violin. <laughs> All right. Um, so tonight, continuing our series, "Who Is Jesus?" Walking chapter by chapter through the Gospel of Matthew. Today, we are looking at what I think is the scariest verse in the Bible. You said a story. It's not a verse about a storm, a scary storm. It's not a verse about sickness or death. It's not a verse about demons. This is what I think is the scariest verse in the Bible is because it could be about you. And it could be about where you're at right now. In the context of this, Jesus is closing up the Sermon on the Mount. And he's giving some different parallels, showing like two different extremes. He talks about a wide gate that leads to destruction. He talks about a narrow gate that leads to heaven, to eternal life. He talks about uh, false prophets who do not bear fruit. He talks about good prophets who do. He talks about a wise man who built his house on the rock. He talks about a foolish man who built his house on the sand. On the sand. And Jesus is just going back and forth here. And what he's doing is he's kind of showing that to be his follower, you are either all in or you are all out. Sounds like we got some crickets. So, cool. Whatever that is. You're either all in or you're all out. And today, we're going to be looking at, it's not exactly a story, it's more like setting a scene of people who thought they were all in. As of people who thought that they were all in on their faith, but they were not. So we're picking up the story right now in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. We're really only looking at three verses tonight. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. So Jesus is describing people right here. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord. So these people are calling him Lord, not just once, but twice. There's an emphasis there. They, they mean it, they're, or they're trying to mean it. They're crying out, Lord, Lord, with all of their heart. But Jesus says, not everyone who says that will enter the kingdom of heaven. We know in Romans 10 that whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in the heart that God is raising from the dead will be saved. So there has to be both that confession of Lord with my mouth and a belief in my heart of what Christ has done and the implications for my life, what that means for me. But that's not what's happening here. Can someone tell me what hypocrisy is? Just real quick, someone define hypocrisy. What's hypocrisy, Josie? Hypocrisy is... Telling somebody to not do something and then doing the same thing yourself. That's right. So hypocrisy is you say one thing, but you do another thing, right? That's hypocrisy. I heard this story. I read this story about a, a church crowd. You know, after church, people go to restaurants. And so people were going to this restaurant and the server was dealing with this. And, and she's walking from one table to another. And then a customer calls out to her and says, uh, excuse me, you haven't taken an order yet. And so the server stops. She says, absolutely. What are, you, what are you having today? And they said, I don't quite like your tone. Patience is a virtue, my dear. You would know that if you were in church today. And the server said, my job title is literally waiter, ma'am. I'm here waiting for you to give me your order. And the customer said, how dare you? Give me your manager. And she said, he's busy taking orders. Can you wait a little bit? And then I'll get him for you. She said, no, I want him here right now. And she said, patience is a virtue, ma'am. You just have to wait a little bit. 
So the lady had a double standard, right? She said one thing, but she did another. She said, you need to be patient, but she was really rude and impatient herself. And that's hypocrisy. It's saying one thing with your mouth, but really doing another thing with your life. Meaning another thing in your heart. It's easy to say what is right, but it's harder to do it. Jesus says, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones that actually do the will of my Father will enter. So not everyone. Only the people who say it, believe it, and live it. So I read this story about a guy named Kenneth Clark that was known for this television series called Civilization. And he lived and died without faith in Christ. But he wrote this autobiography and he shared this story where he went to church and had something that he believed was a religious experience one time. He said, my whole being was irradiated by a kind of heavenly joy far more intense than anything that I had known before. He called this the gloom of grace because it created a problem in his heart. He knew that if he allowed himself to be influenced by it, he would have to change. And maybe his family would think differently of him. People would think different. He would have to change. People might think he lost his mind. Maybe this joy would prove to be just an illusion. So he concluded he didn't really want to give his life to Jesus. And he said, quote, I was too embedded in the world to change course. A lot of people will never truly give their life to Christ because they don't want to change course. They want to say that they've changed course. They want to profess Jesus with their heart, but they never actually want to change. But if I say Jesus is Lord... If Jesus is my master, he's my Lord, naturally I should do his will. But if I say Jesus is Lord, but when it comes to my own life, I don't do God's will, I do my will. I'm just saying with my lips, not with my heart or with my life. And that's hypocrisy. Some professing Christians, people who say they're Christians, people who believe they're Christians, are too embedded in the world to actually want to obey Jesus. Maybe this is you. I don't know. Maybe you want to look just enough like Jesus so you're comfortable at church, but you want to look just enough like the world so you're comfortable at school with your friends. But Jesus is saying here, this is an all or nothing deal. You're either all in or all out. Because if you're just comfortable enough to to look like Jesus at church and just comfortable enough to look like the world at school, the truth is if you really look at yourself and you look at your life, you're not comfortable anywhere because you don't know who you are. You don't know who God made you to be. You're not living in the reality that God made you to live in. Proclaiming Jesus to be Lord is about submitting, surrendering your life completely to him. Some people think that Jesus can be their savior, but not really their Lord. And that's an incorrect view of salvation. That's just not in the Bible. Jesus doesn't just save us from the punishment of sin. Yes, he took our punishment on the cross. That's true. We need to say that. We need to celebrate that. But Jesus came to save us from our sins. He doesn't just save us from the punishment later. He saves us from our sins now. So that way the dead self that was living in sin can be gone and the new self can live. He saves us from the lifestyle of sin as well. So if you say Jesus is my savior, so you aren't punished, but you still love sin. So if someone just says, oh, Jesus is my savior. I don't want to get punished for my sins later. But then in their life, they still love sin. They didn't really want Jesus to save them from their sins. They just wanted Jesus to save them from the punishment of their sins. 
But that's not all that Jesus came to do. Jesus came to save us from our sins, to give us a new life and a new lifestyle. God only lets people into heaven who want to be there. And heaven is sinless. So if you love sin, you're going to hate heaven. Because there's no sin in heaven. When you give your life to Christ, He changes your hearts to where the things you loved before now become the things you hate. That doesn't make you perfect, right? Sometimes you sin. That's why Romans 7, Paul says, I'm doing the thing that I hate right now. Sometimes you sin, but your heart's desires change. But if you give your life to Jesus, but you still love sin, and you don't really love God, did you really give your life to Jesus? Did you really do that? So, God only lets people into heaven who want to be there. Heaven is sinless. It's about knowing God. That's what heaven's about. Read the book of Revelation. If you don't want to know God or do his will, then you don't really want to go to heaven. That's what heaven's all about. It's doing the will of God. It's knowing God. It's worshiping him. It's being with him. Matthew 7, verse 22. Jesus says, this is scary. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. What's he saying here? We didn't make the cut, even on our best days. Has anyone here ever cast out a demon? I'm just curious. Your cat doesn't count. Anyone ever cast out a demon? Probably not. Cats are a little demon sometimes. Uh, I don't love cats. But anyway, some cats are nice. But these people are coming to Jesus. I mean, I want you to think right now. Think about this. What if you die, and right now you go before the judgment throne of God, and God says, why should I let you into heaven? What is your knee-jerk reaction? I mean, maybe in your head, like, you know the answers about Jesus or something like that. But, like, what's your knee-jerk reaction? Like, this is the reason why I should be let into heaven. This is the reason why God should let me be in his presence. These people, they reference what they've done in their lives. They say, we prophesied in your name. They preached in his name. They've cast out demons. They've done mighty works. They performed miracles and healing. And they've done all these great things. But... Jesus doesn't let them into heaven. We see that in just a moment. And we can do the same thing. Why should I let you into heaven? Well, God, I went to church. Sometimes I prayed at dinner time. Um, I, uh, I brought my friend to church that one time. I read the Bible. I did the right things, God. Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform miracles in your name. But we didn't make the cut even on the, our best days because all of our sin that adds up in our life, it still doesn't outweigh. Our, our good things do not outweigh our sin. That's what I'm saying. They deceive themselves into thinking that they were good enough. And some of us have deceived ourselves into thinking that we are good enough. There is one road to heaven. There's just one. That's what Jesus said. He said, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. But there are a lot of roads to hell. But here's the problem. A lot of the roads to hell, perhaps even most of the roads to hell, look very similar to the road to heaven. They look very similar. You start on this path. You think you're doing the right thing. You're growing closer to God. You're like just Christian enough to feel comfortable at church. 
and you start on this path and you're going, going, going. You see, this is the real path. This is my path. You, you can't really tell the difference because you're kind of going in the same direction. But as time goes on and on and on, you realize you're drifting and drifting further away from God because you're not on the right path. Maybe you weren't on the right path to begin with. There's no formula of stuff we can do to go to heaven. They have this formula in their mind. If I prophesy enough, if I pray enough, if I cast off enough demons, if I do enough miracles, if I go to church enough times, then I'll fulfill the formula that I need to do to get to heaven. One of the best examples that we see in scripture, people bring up a lot, and I think it's right, is the thief on the cross of really how you don't have to do anything to go to heaven. This guy was dying on the cross, and we know the Bible says that the people next to Jesus were mocking him. So this thief was mocking Jesus on the cross, and at some point, his heart changed. At some point, perhaps like a centurion in the book of Mark, where it says, surely this man was the son of God. At some point, as he was watching Jesus die on the cross, his mind changed. And he ended up saying to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responded to him, and he said, surely I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Dwight Moody, this preacher, once said, The thief had nails through both hands so that he could not work, and a nail through each foot so that he could not run errands for the Lord. He could not lift a hand or foot towards his salvation, and yet Christ offered him the gift of God, and he took it. He took it. Alistair Begg was this preacher. Pastor Elijah mentioned this one time as well. He's this preacher that was talking about the thief on the cross, and Imagine this thief on the cross dies shortly after this scene where he tells Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. And he dies and he's going to heaven and he gets to heaven and the angels are kind of confused like, who let this guy in here? And so they're, they're trying to figure out the paperwork and see if they should let him in or whatever. They're like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. Like his name's on the list. He doesn't seem like he's supposed to be here. This guy just died on the cross. He was a criminal. Let's go get the manager angel. So they bring in the manager angel and the manager angel's like trying to figure this all out. And, then, and so they're like, how are you on this list? How are you in the Lamb's book of life? Who let you in? And he said, I'm not completely sure how I got here. But the man on the middle cross said that I could come. And that's salvation. We don't go to heaven. We're not let into heaven because of what we did. We're let into heaven because Jesus said we can come. Because Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Because Jesus says, when the Son of Man is lifted up, whoever looks to him and believes will not perish but have everlasting life. We are saved because we come to Christ in faith. We're not saved by our works, we're saved by His. Taking our punishment, taking our sins on the cross. But here's the difference between you and the thief on the cross. He didn't have the opportunity to live out his faith. At least not for very long, right? He didn't have that chance. But you do. He didn't have the chance to share the story. I bet you if he survived that crucifixion and came down from that cross... He would have been on fire for Jesus, telling everybody how Jesus changed his life. He didn't have the chance to do that. Obviously, we share his story today because it was witnessed. But you can tell your story. You can be a witness. You can tell someone what Jesus has done in your life. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. All three verses right here. The scariest verses in the Bible. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Last point tonight is to get real with God. These people live their whole life thinking that they're growing closer and closer to God. But their whole life, they're actually going further and further from God. Because they didn't care about knowing God. They just cared about feeling good about themselves and thinking they were good enough to go to heaven. Thinking they were Christian enough to go to heaven. Jesus said, I never knew you. He said, but Lord, we did, we prophesied. We cast out demons. We did miracles. We did all this stuff for you. Jesus is like, you did nothing from me. God wants you to abide in him. Everything that we do for God, we do from him. We live from him. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And that's our source. We live from our source. There's no striving for God. There's just abiding in him. Knowing that we are already loved, we are already chosen. God made it easy, but we make it so difficult. I was thinking about fake relationships as these people had a fake relationship with God and I thought it'd be nice to put like a little funny story in here uh, so I looked up like what's the story of somebody that faked a relationship and I stumbled on this article of how to fake having a boyfriend and so if you're curious here's how to fake having a boyfriend alright the first thing you gotta do is create some basic facts about your boyfriend so maybe you say he's got like brown hair and brown eyes or whatever you like ladies six feet tall whatever your your deal is create some basic facts about them the next thing you do you create an email address form or some sort of uh maybe you know instagram <laughs> you're trying to be like really hardcore some people are just like that man and so then you kind of like you can like chat with yourself but it's really you pretend it's him but it's really you so for example another thing you could do is you can get an impersonator so you can get one of your guy friends uh, to impersonate this boyfriend. So if you ever like hang out with your girlfriends and you get this guy from the line like, yeah, this is my boyfriend. Like, he's real. You get someone to impersonate him. You can make up names for his family and friends. You can show off the gifts that he bought for you, the flowers he bought for you, but really you just bought for yourself. You can come up with a good excuse as to why he can't meet your friends. I gotta be honest with you guys. This is about to go from zero to a hundred. Because here's how to fake a relationship with God. You can know basic facts about Him. Read your Bible to hear about Him, but not to hear from Him. You can pray in a way that you treat God like your genie, so He just knows what you want and give you that stuff. But really, you're just talking to yourself. You can get idols in your life that impersonate who God really is and think that's enough for you. You can brag about your blessings from God like celebrities do sometimes or whatever, but don't talk about who God really is. Just be a cool Christian. Don't be a controversial Christian who believes that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Or at least don't tell anybody about that. Come up with good excuses as to why you can't introduce Jesus to your friends and share the gospel with them. Because if you did that then maybe you would actually have to live like a real follower of Jesus around them and not just a church attender. 
It's how we can have a fake relationship with God. You can fool everyone. You can even fool yourself like these people did in this passage. But you can't fool God. God sees right through your hypocrisy and it breaks his heart. Because God wants a relationship with you. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, I never knew you. I just wanted to know you. There's a lot of ways to have a fake relationship with God. There's only one way to have a real one. And that's through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. God loved you so much. He didn't want this broken relationship with you. God wanted you to be united to himself. God sent his only son to die for your sins. To take it all upon himself. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. But he did it for you. Because he loves you. He loves you more than anything. And then we respond in faith and we put our trust in Jesus. So on judgment day, if God was to ask, why should I let you into heaven? You say, because the man on the middle cross said I could be here. Because he paid my debt for me in full. Tonight, maybe you've convinced yourself into a hypocritical Christianity for a long time. you need to get real with God. You can do that tonight. Talk to any of us, myself, Josh, Kat, Serena. This is why we're here. We're here to talk to you guys about this stuff. Come up and just say, I don't know where I'm at with my relationship with God right now. I just, I want to talk about that. You can get right with God. So that way, on the day of judgment, he doesn't say, depart from me, I never knew you. He'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. God will know who you are. Because you abided in him. Because you lived out his will for your life and not your will for your life. And it's so much better to do that. Trust me, it's so much better. You can give your life to Jesus. You can get right with God. And you can have a real relationship, not a fake relationship. And sometimes it's scary. And sometimes you got to be bold and take steps to do that. But it's so worth it. Christ is so worth it. Let's pray. God, tonight, as we look at the scariest verse in the Bible, God, I pray that it scared some people. I pray that it scared some people to seeing where they're at right now with you in their heart. God, if there's any hypocrisy in this room, Lord, that you would destroy it, I know there is because I know that there has been in my life, in my heart. God, please help us to be real with you. God, please help us to be comfortable at church, not because we're just trying to be just comfortable enough, just enough like Jesus to fit in here, but God, please make us look enough like Jesus to where maybe we don't fit in at church. Maybe we're so radical for you that we don't fit in around other people that are living superficial faith sometimes. God, please help us to be real with you, to be real with others, to have a radical faith, to be on fire for Jesus. God, so that way on the day of judgment, we have confidence in you, not in ourselves or what we've done, but in the cross of Christ that you will welcome us into your kingdom because you know us and we know you and that's the only thing that matters we pray all this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said Amen. Amen.